I wanted to talk this morning about a subject that as pastors and mentors, Jessica and I have frequently, this comes across our table of a question. It's a question I had when I first started walking with the Lord. And uh, it's, it's basically, um, you know, what if, what is God's plan for my life? And this past week I heard, uh, spoiler alert, and uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I remember I went when I was, it was like six months until I had just surrendered to Jesus, and, and uh, I grew up in church, but I call it the, you know, the day I surrendered was a, was a, a milestone in my life because that's when I surrendered. And uh, my Southern Baptist pastor, Pastor Dan, gave me some great wisdom. And uh, I said, Pastor Dan, I'm just like so worried I'm going to miss God's plan for my life. And he, uh, Pastor Dan could get you saved at a meal blessing. He gave like, he's still like, whenever people ask me to say the blessing because you're, you're the pastor, you're clergy. And so you have a more direct connection to God for the meal blessing somehow. Um, I'm just like, Lord, let me pray like Pastor Dan real quick right here because, I mean, you just, everybody just be like, can I receive Jesus right now? You just, the way you prayed over those yeast rolls. And uh, so, so. But Pastor Danny says, Travis, if you just do what God's telling you to do today, and you do it every day, you'll be in God's plan. And I was like, weight lifted. Because I was, mm, I, like to, I like to work and strive and perform. And am I, as Jack Frost would say, am I hitting the ball right, Dad? Am I hitting the ball right? And... And so that's the way, I, because when you're in that place of striving, you're really actually very powerful. That's why I actually had y'all say to each other, God's bigger than you. Because as long as you're leaning into the Lord and you're like, God, I mean, he loves the I don't know what to do prayer. Because it's like, I got you. But that's leaning into the Lord. And so... Chris Valentin preached a message a couple of weeks ago at Bethel, and then he, he actually had a blog post that kind of summarized this. So what a lot of what I'm saying today is some of his stuff because I, it put language on what Jessica and I have encountered for many years. And then I'm gonna, I've got my stuff in there too. So um, it would be great to, if you want to, after this, listen to Chris Valentin's message, you can. But... Uh, God, it's, God doesn't have a plan for your life, but he does have a purpose. And so um, I think we get caught up in the remote not working. <laughs> Let's do this. There we go. So he's got a, he's got a purpose for your life. Steve Fish gave me this remote, and it hasn't worked since day one. <laughs> Bless. 
But it works for him, so I think it's the user somehow. Just go on to the next one. Yeah. And so a lot of people ask, what is my calling? And you can keep going. <laughs> I have to do this. All right. I got to get my other remote here. I don't want to. All right, let's see if this works. Will you point it towards me? All right, so what is my calling? It can be confusing because your calling is like so narrow. It's very narrow, and you're trying, it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. And it actually makes you think that there's a wrong or right decision in like your relationship with God. And, and so that puts a lot of pressure on you when you're trying to figure out what is my calling. It's a lot of pressure, pressure because it's like there's all these things in the kingdom I can be doing. Maybe your gifts help narrow it down a little bit, and then maybe your passions help narrow it down. And then now you've got 200 things to choose from instead of 1,000. So what if I choose the wrong calling? What if I'm not hearing God clearly? These are questions people have. What if I ruin my life? If I don't choose the right path, how many of you ever thought that? It's like, if this, I'm at the crossroads of my life. <laughs> if, it, if I do not get this right, the next 80 years is ruined. So people are waiting for a calling, but Jesus Christ has already given us commands. So you don't. It's not as much about what is my calling God was. He's like, listen, I, already, I got a book. It's got stuff in here to do. Like heal the sick and take care of the orphan and the widow. And prophesy and live with integrity and all those types of things. He's got a book that tells us how to live life. So what I'm not saying is, I like doing this because it helps you realize what I'm not saying. What I'm, not, I'm not saying that God doesn't guide us in decisions. All right? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that God doesn't care what direction we take. And I'm not saying that there aren't callings on people's lives. There's all of that. What I'm saying is he's just much bigger than all of that. God has like 800 different ways to get you where he wants you to go. Like 800. Probably infinity because that's who he is. And so, you know, what about Jeremiah 29, 11? NASB says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Well, that word plans actually means thoughts, intentions, purposes. So he's not saying, Travis, I, I, I know the blueprint I have for you. He's saying, I, have, I know the intentions I have for you. I want to prosper you. Now, there's a thousand different ways I can do that. And that word plans is makashaba, and I think shaba is the most famous tongue word in the charismatic <laughs> church. So just think about it. Anytime you say shaba, it's like purpose. 
Shaba. I just, you just propelled yourself further into your purpose. So Rick Liggett, I told you about Pastor Dan. Rick Liggett's another mentor of mine. By the way, surround yourself with fathers and mothers. I, all my, so many, I got so many stories of fathers and mothers speaking into Jessica and I's life. And so Rick Liggett's old cowboy from Texas, and I had to make, choose between a job. And Rick Liggett, the only advice, and there's two pieces of advice. One is for married couples. The second one I can share right now. So the one I can share, the only thing, I remember I'd go, Rick, man, I don't know what to do. He's like, Travis, man, I said, I can't, I can't decide this for you. You just got to ask the Lord about this. I was like, thanks, Rick. That helped me out a lot, man. You know, and he's just like, man, I don't know. You just got to listen to the Lord. So he just would always throw me back into the lap of the Lord. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. But Rick, he said this one time. I was just like, Rick, I don't know if I need to take this job. I don't know if I need to take that job. I just, I mean, I don't know. He's like, Travis, I think you're blessed if you do and blessed if you don't. He's like, Jesus is with you, ain't he? I was like, you're right. You're right. And so I just was like, yeah, that's a different way of thinking about it. That's like the first time I kind of was like, huh, Jesus is with me. He's the anointed one. He's the blessed one. I'm in him. I'm hidden in Christ. I'm seated with him. I'm blessed. And that's why I go around one of my new declarations. I say, I'm the most blessed man in the world because I'm in the most blessed man in the world. I'm in Christ. That's where my identity is and needs to be and remain. Revelations 13 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life, of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So this scripture says Jesus was crucified before the world was even created. How can God do that? Because he's outside of time, right? Now, don't get lost there because that's, a, that's one of those, you know, and so. But this is the thing. Before Adam had a problem, God had an answer. And that's the same that's true for, for your life. God is, he's got a solution waiting to your problem, and it's in the cross. He, he provided the answer to the problem for all of our problems before it, was, it even happened. So I, like I said, God's got, he's got 400 different ways to get you into your purpose, but purposes are found in obedience to Christ's commands. So for me, when I first surrendered my life to Jesus back in the summer of 2000, all my buddies were smoking weed and up to no good and I just was like, God, I need some Christian friends. I didn't have any Christian friends that were sold out to Jesus. And uh, I was like, God, I need, I need some Christian friends. And then also it was just like, I need to, like, get out of my, my friend circle. And uh, at least for a season, I never stopped being friends with these guys. But they, the, the things of my heart were not, that's not where I was getting life from, if that makes sense. And so... I was just like, man, I just, I got to get plugged in the church somehow. I just, I was just start serving the youth group. So I called up my youth pastor that, uh, who, I, he wasn't really my youth pastor because I never went to youth group, but he was the youth pastor at the church I grew up at. I was like, Mike, man, I was, 
finally surrendered to Jesus. He's like, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I said, I want to start helping out with the youth. He's like, that's great, man. And uh, Jessica was the youth intern at the time at that church. I had, she had only given an announcement, and I saw her from the back pew because when I started going back to church, I was like, this is home. This is where I'm comfortable. This is where I used to play tic-tac-toe and hangman. And so, <laughs> but she gave an announcement. I was like, there's uh, beautiful godly women. And so, uh, so uh, anyways, Mike, I said, I really want to help start using, uh, help out with the youth. And then I said, and, uh, do you have that Jessica girl's number? <laughs> he went, yeah, Travis, you really want to help out with the youth, don't you? And, but, uh, so anyways, I started helping out with the youth, but, and out of that was when God started, he called me to be a pastor is when out of that, the two years when Jessica and I realized we we're supposed to get married. So I didn't go into that situation as like, my purpose is going to come out of this season and my wife is waiting on me serving at the youth at this church. I was just like, I, I need to serve. I need to serve somewhere. And then God, the purposes for my life came out of that attitude of like, I got to serve. I need to plug in to community. And so God's, that's what I'm saying is like, it's not as much about his calling. It's like, God, he's already given you commands. Like you don't know what to do. Do something. It doesn't have to be your passion. He'll get you there. I'm not passionate about youth ministry, but I've served in youth ministry for six or seven years. You know, and so, but God got, he's, He's got a purpose, and he gets you there. And so it's just that having that the attitude of, of serving, God's going to take, and he'll take care of you. Now, there's, there is a long way, I believe, to get into your purpose. I believe there's a short way, and I believe there's a long way. And I want to talk about the long way with, uh, jo- with Joseph. But your attitude determines whether you take the long way or not. The Israelites, how many of y'all know they took the long way to the promised land? Forty years. We got one... One guy knows. So, uh, so Genesis 37, Joseph told his brothers about a dream he had where 11 sheaves of wheat bowed to his sheave. So he had a dream, and they knew what the interpretation was when he told them. They're like, oh, we're going to bow to you. You're the youngest, and you're also dad's favorite, and we're jealous. And, and Joseph knew that. Everybody in the family knew that Joseph was uh, Jacob's favorite, Israel's favorite. So then he had a dream where the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. So it wasn't only his brothers, but mom and dad bowed down to him. And he told his family that dream, and his dad was like, so me and mom are going to bow down to you as well? Get back to work. And he said that. But then it said that Israel pondered these things in his heart. And so he... You know, he knew that there was a calling on, on Joseph's life. So what happened was, I believe that Joseph, there is two options. I think probably the better route may have been Joseph keeping this dream to himself. <laughs> but instead, it, it's, this, I'm just, this is my commentary on this. So take it for what it's worth. But I believe Joseph, by being like, yeah, you're going to, Greg, I know you're older, you're like 20 years older than me, but you're going to serve me one day. Just get used to it. Just prepare yourself. 
Mom and dad, you too. And then, like, imagine where that just leaves you, where they're just standing there looking at you, and you're like, well, you know, like, what do you want us to do now, Joseph? You know, so he was destined for the palace, and that was his purpose. But his, I believe he had a, a pomp, you know, arrogant attitude, probably wasn't the most humble at that point. He was a young man. And so instead of, uh, he got thrown into a pit, got sold into slavery, had to go through some hard knocks at uh, Pharaoh's house, got accused of rape, and was thrown in prison. And all of that was the humbling process of getting him ready for the palace. Now, if Joseph had had a humble heart from the get-go, who knows how it could have ended, but it could have saved him prison time and being accused of rape. I don't know. That's just like, who knows what that, how that could have turned out like. I'm just saying that there, I, I have seen it. I've seen it in people's lives where they're like, man, you're taking the hard road. You're taking the, like, God's going to have to, like, give you a spanking instead of, because God, what he does is like, hey, son, don't do that. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyways, dad. And he's like, don't do that. No, I'm going to do it anyways. What does, what does Proverbs say about what makes a father glad? He says, son, make my heart glad and obey my commandments. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to have to leave you to your own devices for a little bit. Just like the prodigal son. He's like, you want an inheritance? All right, go on, go on with it. And I'll be waiting when you come back from, and ready to receive you when you're ready. But the father didn't go with him into the pig pen. He let him experience that, that hardship until he came to his senses and was like, Dad, can I just be a slave? And he's like, no, you're always going to be a son. So that's the heart of the father. But sin has consequences. Pride has consequences. When you're in pride, there's not a whole lot of grace because God gives grace to, to who? The humble. So we want that grace of God on our life. We always want to have a humble heart. If you don't pray for a humble heart, you can't. That's not in, your, in and of yourself to have that. So you need to ask God to give you a humble heart. You need to, you need to ask Psalm 51, God, give me a broken and contrite heart because you, you do not despise that. Give me humility, Father. When Jessica and I have confrontations, one of the things that I start asking is because my Travis's sinful nature instinct is defend yourself. Prove you're right. Show her she's wrong. But I start saying, Lord, give me humility because I don't, in that moment, I don't have, I was like, and I start, Lord, you got victory. We're coming out better on the other side of this fight. Give me a humble heart and let me own what I need to own because I can't do anything about Jessica. I can't control her in any way. I can only control Travis and my heart. And so God still got Joseph to the palace despite his arrogance, but in the process, he gained the character he needed to occupy the palace. So God was faithful. So I want to share just five keys for living with purpose. Do ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Jesus said, be faithful with the little things so you can be trusted with much. This is what this is saying. And so every day you go to work, you're used to, maybe you clock in, maybe you do, you got a routine. 
And ask God, is like, God, I want to do things in an extraordinary way. Elisha in 2 Kings 6, the sons of the prophets were like, we are, the place where we're living is too small. We need to build a bigger house. So they started chopping down trees. And this guy, when he swung, when he brought the axe head back, the axe head flew off and went in the river. And he went, Father, Elisha, that was borrowed. And the Jordan River is not that deep. It's maybe 15 feet deep in the deepest part. He could have dove down to the bottom and gotten that thing, I would imagine. But Elisha was just like, hang on just a second. He broke a twig off a tree, threw it in the water, and the axe head floated back up. He said, go grab the axe head. The guys went back to chopping wood. That's doing the ordinary in an extraordinary way. So what if, like, how many of y'all have, uh, we have lost and found angels at our house? You lose your keys. You lose something important. It's like, God, release the lost and found angels. And we've had where we've been looking for something. It's like, no, it's not right there. Where are those things? What? They, like, pop up right where you just look. So look for your keys in an extraordinary way. If you, if you go home with anything, go home with that. So... But you want to do ordinary things in an extraordinary way. This is where it says, But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, my master, for it was borrowed. God is bigger than your mistakes. That was an honest mistake. But he, would, he needed to owe that guy. I mean, he, he'd have to repay for it. It wasn't like he was trying to steal this guy's axe. But you do have to take responsibility for your mistakes, and God's bigger than your mistakes. Secondly, steward your current responsibilities well. Be faithful with where you're at. Angels showed up to the shepherds while they were doing what they were called to do. The shepherds that, that came to see Jesus, they were just going about their work, and they had a visitation from God. So when you're just faithful in what, with what God's given you right now, right now, then that's when he's going to meet you at. So you can, I call it conference hoppers. I love conferences. But if uh, God is looking for you to be faithful somewhere, and that, I'm using conference hopper as an example because some people chase conferences all over the nation. They're chasing people with anointing. They're chasing people with gifting. When God's like, hey, I want to give this to you, but you got to sit still for a little bit, and you got to plow some ground. And so it's, it's about that where it's like, hey, I, I believe that God wants to do something amazing in you. And that part of that is being faithful just like a farmer is faithful. You got to plow ground. You got to water that seed. You got to be patient. And then the fruit comes. And it's the same with fruit in our lives. So Jesus found the fishermen fishing, the, the disciples. The stuff they learned catching fish helped them learn how to catch men. And so God uses the simple things to prepare us for the extraordinary. Third, or actually, before we get to that, this is, so what I was just talking about, being faithful with what you have right now, is one of our core values, which is character before charisma. Gifts are, are God-given. Like, you, that's just something that you're born with, that God gives you. 
But the character is something that you have to walk out with God. And, and that develops in you. Because there's been many anointed men and women of God gifted, you know, that didn't have the character to sustain the gift. And God cares more about your heart than he does your ministry. And so he's, it's about, when, he, when your heart is, is in a good place, he's going to give you what he wants to give you. So character before charisma. The third thing is view every job as training for your destiny. I used to work in, in uh, water mitigation. You, you suck up poop lots of times. That's it, like, a water, like a septic tank leaks into your house. They call in the water mitigation team. And you go in there in a rubber, rubber suit and you suck up human poop, which is worse than animal poop in my opinion. And so you... Uh, but what, you know, what's, what am I learning in this, God? How is this? I'm a revivalist, for goodness sakes. That was what was going on in my mind at the time. I'm a revivalist. I should be preaching. I'm sucking up poop somewhere. You call, I'm a father. Guess what fathers do? Change diapers. Clean up poop. And so... That's part of being a father. So you, how many of y'all got a, a word about being a father or mother in, of your life? Okay. Just uh, that has its own cross, okay? But the thing is, I, I joke about that. It's so, it's so good because you experience more of the father's heart. But at the same time, there is a, there's work involved. And I think that's what... I want to get through to you guys is that be faithful and like be diligent. You read Proverbs. It talks about diligence all the time. Diligence, work, observe the ant. They don't have a master. They don't have a chief, yet they, yet they work every day and they're faithful and, they, and they're in unison. They're doing their job. So it's just being faithful and just seeing every job is training for your destiny. So when David was a boy tending the sheep, he killed the lion and the bear and that prepared him to whenever he went to go deliver cheese sandwiches to his brothers. And he saw Goliath uh, antagonizing the Israel army. He's just like, what's this guy doing? He's defaming God. Are y'all going to do something about this? He's like, no, we've just been standing here twiddling our thumbs for 40 days. And he's like, dude, I took on a lion and a bear at the same time. And I'm like, 15. This guy's going to be just the same. And so he, because of his testimony, he was, Saul was probably convinced. He was like, this kid really did kill a lion and a bear. Sure, go ahead. I mean, like, it was probably, Saul looked at it, was like, this is going to cost me nothing if a 15-year-old boy does. But, but David says, I love it because Goliath was like, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air, you dog. He says, no. I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air, and I'm going to cut your head off. And God's going to do this because you don't do the, you don't defame the, the name of the Lord, the God of the, of the living one or the, the living one over Israel. And so David antagonized Goliath with the promise. So like David, the things you're doing at your job right now when no one is looking is training for your ultimate destiny. All right. We got audio or not?
It's okay. If we don't, I might need to skip this. I'll skip it. Don't worry about it. We're... All right, that was the, that was the video of uh, Daniel's son doing wax on, wax off. That sounded like the pipe flute that guys played, doesn't it? And so uh, he's doing wax on, wax off. He's like, I'm all, all I'm doing is slaving around your house, Mr. Miyagi. And, and he's like, when am I actually going to get to fight? And Mr. Miyagi, he's standing beside him. He just do wax on and he throws a punch. He knocks it down. He, he says, paint up. And he does this and he blocks it. And then Mr. Miyagi, he, he does all, goes over all the, the chore moves he's been doing. And then he does, lets loose a, a fury of strikes against him. And Daniel, son, just blocks him all without thinking. He says, now finish the painting. And Daniel sends us leaving there like, I can, I learned how to fight by painting the house. That's the same that's true for you. Like you, you learn how to fight by painting the house and by being in submission actually to somebody else's mission. That's, if you want God to release a great destiny of your life, this is the key. Find somebody's mission to serve. Get up under somebody. Submission, is, as Jack Frost calls it, is getting up under somebody and pushing up. It could be, you know, for a husband, it's to your wife, it's to your children. You get up under them, you push them up. It could be to a, a father or mother in the faith. What's their mission? I want to get up under that, and I want to serve that, and I want to push up. And so you learn how to be a son when you're in, in submission. And submission is kind of a dirty word nowadays, but it's in the Bible. So behave like you're passionate even when you don't feel like it. Chris Valentin said, you can't fix with Paris what your underwear ruins during the week. And what he's saying is, is that if I'm doing something every, every day, just leaving my dirty underwear in the floor, and my wife's saying, will you pick up your dirty underwear? I said, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's just underwear. And then you're like, honey, I'm taking us to Paris for the weekend. She's like, well, I, just, I really just want you to pick up your underwear. Because what's showing that I can't fix with Paris what my underwear is ruining during the week. And so it's those little things. Yeah, babe. Pick up my, sorry. Pick up my dirty underwear. Submission. Serving. Considering others better than yourself. And if it's, it's not the, the big, hey, Look, I did Paris. Look, I do this for you. I do that. Yeah, but I'm just asking you to pick up your underwear, and you never do that, and you just scoff whenever I ask you to. And so good teams always play up no matter who they're playing with. And so you have teams in sports, the teams that do well. It doesn't matter if they're playing Savannah Country Day High School or they're playing Ohio State. They're going to play their best on that day. And this is what it's like when you, to be passionate even when you don't feel like it. Okay? And so a lot of how God builds character in you is through just, I call it cold-blooded obedience. Where you just, you have none of the feels, you have none of the want to, 
and God's asking you to pray for somebody or something like that, and you're just like, Lord, you go over there and you just do it. Or you're, or God's telling you to give to some, give something to somebody and like, that's all, that's like over half of money in my bank account, Lord. I don't really feel like doing that. Here you go. It's cold-blooded obedience. And so it's easy to do your best when you feel passionate, but doing your best when you don't feel passionate is what grows character and the capacity to handle more blessing from God. And that last one is seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Nobody can take your destiny, purpose, or calling from you. Nobody can take that from you. Okay, not even your spouse, your parents, friends, bosses, nobody can take that from you. So if you're seeking the kingdom of Christ's righteousness, you'll find yourself in the middle of your purpose and destiny. It's just like I said, it's like, Jesus, I don't know what to do right now, but you said to, uh, to share the gospel. So I'll share the gospel. You said that to be generous, I'll be generous. And you do those things that he's already told you to do, which is being faithful with the little thing, you're going to find yourself right where you need to be. And, he's, and whatever calling or purpose there is, is going, will be revealed to you. And so seek first his kingdom. Do what he's already said to do. Even Sapresa Satole was here back in October, and he fasted for eight days up on the mountain, and an angel came and visited him. And guess what the angel said? He said, the angel said, I've already told you what to do in this book. Go back down the mountain. <laughs> he was just like, you know, <laughs> he probably laughed and rejoiced, but, it, you know, most people would have been like, what? And so, uh, but seek first his kingdom. Do what he's already said to do. And you, you'll be there. Like you'll be in your purpose and calling. So right now, if you're like, you're, you have no idea what direction to take, and there may be four different doors and you don't, there's not a clear direction, just pick one. You're blessed if you do, blessed if you don't. God's bigger than you. You're not, not going to throw him off his rocker. He's not going to be like, whoa, you took that job. <laughs> what? I need... 10,000 times 10,000 angels right now. Redirect them. Now he's just like, cool. Jesus is with you. I'll get you there. And, and many times we make mistakes. And he's, do not, you can't live in, in the fear of making the mistake. We've made mistakes financially. We've made mistakes, personal decisions. And like we've seen God restores you. He restores you even better than like where you were before. Jessica and I were talking about the other day it was just how kind God has been to us, especially in the area of, of finances, where we've made bad decisions in the past. And he's just like, it, it, was, it wasn't like this shame thing where he's just like, you didn't do what I told you to do about finances. He's just like, listen, now we felt the sting of it. He's just like, I'm right here. I want this, I'm going to show you a better way. And he just, the kindness, it was, you just feel the kindness of God. It's like, you are kind, Father. 
We don't really deserve this. You are kind. And so he, that's, that's how he is. He's much better than you think he is. So core value number 16, my God wins with any hand, which means God's bigger than you. Whether you could have purposely sinned against the Lord, the moment you come back, he put a ring up on my finger, he restores you. So I want you to stand up. Um, we're going to close with a worship song and also take our, our offering, tithes and offerings during this time. But I want us to declare this together over our finances, over ourselves, And uh, we'll declare this. I'll pray. And then we'll have a, also our ministry time during this last, set, uh, last song. But y'all... Look up on the screen with me. Let's read this together. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus.